This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into what's probably going to be the most jam-packed edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast for the remainder of this summer. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me as always, although unfortunately not in the flesh this time, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, it's kind of weird to be talking to uh, your disembodied face voice again. This is uh, it's a little odd. Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a weird night, too. We were ready to do this earlier, and then we had sirens go off here. I think there was a tornado. I don't know if it touched down, but a tornado was forming about a mile from my house. So that wasn't good. So we were all in the basement, just sort of locked down. Um, So anyway, here we are. Everything's good. Everything has uh, gone past. I think all the warnings statewide have been uh, cleared up. So I hope all those people that did have tornadoes are safe and everything's okay. But uh, you're right. We have a ton to discuss tonight. Uh, It's our first podcast since the draft. We are days away from the start of NHL free agency. We had the Hall of Fame class announced today. We've had the Hawks uh, decline the contracts of two guys they used uh, pretty regularly last year. So let's get right into it. I think we should start with the draft, James. Um, You know, I know we talked to Ryan Wagman from uh, McKean's Hockey last week. And, you know, I think we came to a consensus, at least I did, that I really wanted Oliver Wallstrom. And I don't know if me talking it up and other people talking him up made everyone around town sort of feel the same way. I doubt that, but a lot of people mad when the Blackhawks ended up with defenseman Adam Boquist out of Sweden. And uh, I just can't work up the anger. If that's who they thought was the best player, they went and got a defenseman. That's their biggest organizational need. They got a guy who by all accounts was drafted close to where he should be drafted. I don't have a huge issue with it. No, I don't either. I think the uh, the one thing that I do think that uh, some Blackhawks fans have pointed out and I think merits kind of further discussion about the selection of Adam Boquist is that for a team that 
their Stanley Cup window, I mean, obviously there's some that would argue that it's already closed, but I think most Blackhawks fans and experts would agree that it's probably going to close within the next year or two, at least for the guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. It's not, you know, exactly flung open for those guys, but you look at this pick and this is, this is a two to three year down the line kind of pick. And to make it with the number eight overall selection in the draft was kind of a curious decision because he said it before the draft process really got underway. He said it again at the draft on Friday. Adam Boquist feels that he's probably two to three years away from being in the NHL. And I know that the Blackhawks do have some guys in the pipeline that they feel like are going to come up sooner than that, whether it's Henry Yokoharju, who's going to potentially come up this year, Gustav Forsling, who's already had kind of his first go around in the NHL, other guys like that. You've got that pipeline stocked up now with defensemen. The thing is, is I thought it was really interesting that for a team where jobs theoretically are on the line for Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville to go with a guy who's far from a finished product and who needs that much kind of time to get to the NHL level, I thought was a very curious move. And I'm kind of interested to see what you have to say, uh, Jay, about what that means for the Blackhawks moving forward and for the potential job security of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman. Well, I don't, I don't think that the fact that Stan drafted for the future means that they are, you know, looking to move on or anything like that. I really, I don't feel that way. And, and I'm not as frustrated about the pick not being quite ready yet. Look, again, if, if they thought that that was the best guy and they thought that eventually in two or three years that he'll be the best defenseman of this crop, a lot of people didn't feel that way. But, look, I'm not – Stan Bowman's got a track record of, you know, and he's got a huge staff of people whose job it is to select these picks. He knows his job's on the line. Quenville knows his job's on the line. I think that by making a pick that they believe in, that's that's the right thing to do. You've, you you shouldn't change the way you do things because of your job status. Now, look, and it, the other thing it tells me is that they're going to be active in free agency and they're going to add a defenseman in free agency or two. Now, I'm we're going to get to the you know the the rumors and stuff later, and of course, I have a little bit of an update on some of the rumors that have been floating around. Um, nothing serious, but I got a little update for later in the podcast, so stay tuned, and I'll share that with you. But, um, you know, we don't know what the final roster is yet. If th- this season begins and your defense is then what it is today, well, then I have a huge issue, right, that nothing was addressed for the current. Um, nothing was done to improve the team from what already was a pretty putrid, putrid defense. Then I'll take issue, but I can't work up the anger on June 26th, like a lot of people have around the Blackhawks, and I just I, I can't I can't be mad yet, right? It doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. I need to see what the roster looks like on opening night, then and maybe then I'll choose to get pissed off about it. But for now, I've got to trust the scouts. They have they're decent drafters. They do a pretty good job, especially drafting high. So I'm going to give them a benefit of the doubt here. Well, I don't know if you can really say that they do a decent job of drafting high, considering that this is the highest pick they've had since they took Patrick Kane in the 2007 draft. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say that they have a long track record of hitting on early first round picks. And that's not to say that obviously they don't know what they're doing or anything like that. But I feel like it's still valid to question if you thought that other guys like maybe an Evan Bouchard or an Oliver Wallstrom was maybe closer to being 
an instant contributor at the NHL level, why wouldn't you go in that direction for a team whose window of contention seemingly is limited? Why wouldn't you go in that direction instead of a project guy who's 17 years old and two to three years away from the NHL? And I think another concern that I've seen brought up, and I know that Stan Bowman said that it's not something that he's particularly worried about, but anytime I hear about a 17-year-old kid having concussion issues, that kind of worries me a little bit too. Yeah, that's a new sort of thing too that we're going to have to be aware of now and it, as we're learning more and more every day about concussions and about the effect they have. Um, that's going to be really interesting to see how teams approach that you know, in the draft because chances are anyone that's played hockey for most of their life entering the draft has had several. Right. And if it's with that in mind, if Boquist is already a concern above other players, then, yeah, that is something that I have issue with. But again, I, I think they probably did their due diligence on this guy and, and know what they're getting into. Here's my thing. And I know it makes sense, especially, you know, you mentioned the window closing and I understand that. However, the goal here, as far as I understand it, and as far as Joel Quinn or as far as Tam Bowman's always said it is. It's not just to win until this window's closed, then just suck forever, right? The idea is to sustain competitiveness from here on out, right? They want to be a good team, kind of like the Red Wings have been for the last 20 years. Yeah, they had a down year last year, but you know what I'm saying? They're competitive all the time. And if you keep reloading your system with guys you feel, okay, maybe he's not going to be ready tomorrow, but we see this guy's ceiling is higher than any of the guys that can help us in the immediate, then... I don't have a problem with that. Again, if Boquist is bad, I have an issue. But from everything I've read, the expectations are this kid's going to be pretty good. And, yeah, it's not going to be right away. But we know from context clues and from things Stan Bowman has said that there is a plan to make the team better in the present as well. So until he fails to do that through free agency, through trades or whatever, I'm not going to get real worked up and pissed off about this pick. I'm just not because I don't have a problem with him keeping an eye down the road, you know, three, four, five years from now, when Taves and Kane and Seabrook are and Keith are wrapping up their careers, you're going to want to have a number, another crop of talent on the horizon. And sure, you probably won't have three or four Hall of Famers like this Blackhawks core did. But if Alex DeBrincat and Nick and Nick Schmaltz are like the two glimpses of the near future, that's a pretty good start, in my opinion. Well, obviously, the caveat in the room that we do have to mention is that you and I aren't exactly draft experts. So obviously, we're not going to speak, you know, to, oh, well, Oliver Wallstrom would have been a great pick. We obviously can't say that with any type of authority. And frankly, 99.9% of Blackhawks fans can't either. So a lot of the hand wringing and gnashing of teeth that I saw over them not taking Oliver Wallstrom, I thought was pretty rich coming from people who literally probably had no idea what that name even meant a week ago and look that, you know that's I'm, I'm one of those people like i i took some yeah, heat on twitter like, for I've, saying I've that watched some video but i am far from an expert man right yeah i took some heat on twitter for saying like look you knew about oliver wallstrom six days ago so did i i mean i hadn't heard the name i've seen him in some the limited amount of games i've watched on tv that right. you know what i mean but like I'm no expert on Oliver Wallstrom. Did I fall in love with the scouting report we got from Ryan Wagman? Yes. Did I go online and start watching his highlight videos? Yes. But if I'd done the same thing for Boquist, and if Ryan Wagman had said, Boquist is the guy, Boquist, Boquist, 
then I would have been excited about him. So That's look, I, yeah. I, I, yes, there are of course people that know a lot more about prospects than us, but I'm saying the people that were pissed off and the people that were really fired up on Twitter, uh, they don't know anything else about the draft, anything more than, than any of your random Joes on the street. So just give it time. Look, if Bowman blows this pick or screws things up in another way, he's going to be gone. It's, it's, it was made pretty clear by Rocky Wirtz that if this season's a failure, uh, you know, him and Q are probably on the way out. Yeah, and I think that it, obviously I'm not like saying, you know, the whole we're not draft experts thing. I'm not trying to insult you or anybody else, you know, myself included. But I mean, yeah, we have a very limited sample size from which to evaluate these guys. And honestly, the folks that I've seen that know the draft inside and out seem to think that the Blackhawks did a pretty solid job with this year's draft class. And I've I've, I've had limited experience obviously with Adam Boquist just kind of watching some highlight videos from Sweden it's kind of hard to really get like a good deep dive on a guy that didn't play in North America and then even guys that did like Jake Wise I saw play maybe a a handful of times with Team USA in various competitions and USHL and that kind of stuff we we obviously have not seen these guys nearly as much as draft experts and as much as the Chicago Blackhawks coaching staff have And so if those experts are saying that they seem to kind of like the way Stan Bowman went about that draft, I kind of have to take their word for it until proven otherwise. And I feel like a lot of Blackhawks fans are forgetting the key lesson in the NHL draft. And that is more so probably than any other sport with the exception of maybe baseball. Patience is so, so required in evaluating a draft class because none of these kids are going to see the NHL for at least two years. And it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that for the ones who do end up panning out. And the failure rate, obviously, in the NHL is pretty high also. So all of these things need to be kept in mind before you really start, you know, blasting Stan Bowman for whatever reasoning, you know, you choose to. I just think it's still fair to say, well, did you maybe pass on a chance at a guy who can make a more immediate impact in a situation like the Blackhawks are in? No, and that's totally fair. And you're right. Had they taken Bouchard or, or maybe Hughes or whatever, those guys are maybe a, a bit more NHL ready. Sure, I agree with you. And is the fan in me anxious to see guys helping right away? Of course. Absolutely, I want to see guys up here helping right away. But look, you've only got six spots. You've got Seabrook. You've got Keith. You've got Ruda. You can almost guarantee that another defenseman is going to be added to the mix you've got Gustafson you got Forsling you got Yokoharu on the horizon right so there are guys that are going to be here in the near future um so it's not like it's completely dire until uh Bolquist is ready to go but I understand what you're saying and I'm not disagreeing with you I'm just saying I, I think both of us have said it but it's it's let's let's just tamp down the anger and the fury someone said it was an absolute abject failure of the Blackhawks to not draft oliver wallstrom he's not rasmus rasmus dolan he's not a yeah, sure sorry. thing it's not that the blackhawks passed on the consensus number one guy exactly and drafted some schlub yes it's not sam Bowie. it's yeah. <laughs> you know yeah and so I, and this is the thing too that's been just bugging me about chicago fans in general the people that draw the most ire in this town are the people with the most hardware it's stan bowman it's joe madden it's ridiculous other cities would kill to have the problems that the Blackhawks and Cubs have right now. And Chicago fans just can't be happy. And look, as this draft passed, I was finding myself like, am I just 
am I nuts? Because eventually the Twitter trolls start to get to you, and you're like, man, maybe I'm really off my rocker here. I sent a uh, a, a random text to an agent I know around the league. I'm not going to give his name. It doesn't matter. I said, quick question, what is Bowman's rep around the league? Is he respected? Is he thought of as a savvy GM? The response is very well respected, fair, smart, etc. He's got a good reception around the league. So this is a guy with no ties to the Blackhawks. Um, he's got a couple players on the Blackhawks, but he doesn't have any reason to give Stan Bowman praise on a private message on Twitter with me, right? He's got nothing right. to gain by that. He's not trying to protect the Blackhawks in any way. Stan Bowman has a good reputation. He does business the right way. He knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy. And while I was very critical of him this week for his lack of update on Corey Crawford, we'll get to that as well, um, He that, the, that lack of comment, at least in my mind, was given that way for a deliberate reason, right? The reason he said, well, I don't have any update on Corey Crawford. I don't know what to tell you, right? Our plan is he'll be here. After thinking about that for about a week, I've sort of drawn a conclusion that he's putting a little bit of pressure on Corey himself. They're doing what the Bulls did with uh, Derrick Rose. They're basically putting the proverbial puck back in his zone, so to speak. They're really trying to kind of, you know, be like, hey, you know, we, we know you're working through whatever you're working through, whether it's injury or otherwise, but uh, you, you got to give us something here. You know, you got to either to to just say it bluntly either got to shit or get off the pot i mean that's that's what i read into it is that they were obviously being very coy with it being very diplomatic with it but they were sending the message that they fully anticipate that Corey crawford is going to be out there on the ice opening day and then it's up to him whether or not he is and if he's not that's going to be his sort of situation to address and Quen, you know quenville sort of said the same thing like, yeah, as far as we know, he's going to be there. Like, that's what we're, our expectation is that he'll be ready for the season and he'll start skating soon and all these things. Like, that is, if you have the, the two faces of your franchise off the ice and Joel Quenville and Sam Bowman saying those things about Corey Crawford, that to me, like I said, is putting, it's putting, what did you say, the puck in Crawford zone? As opposed well, yeah, to the ball normally in his court. it's the ball in somebody's <laughs> court, but I, I changed it up, obviously, to be more hockey. Well, I like that. that. That's good improv yeah. by you. That's solid. But, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're putting it on Corey Crawford. Look, we have said everything we're going to say. Uh, as far as we know, you should be here. And if you're not, that's that's on you. That's on you. And, look, um, we're going to get to it a little bit later, but I said earlier this offseason that goaltending was a priority. Goaltending is the top priority in free agency this summer so keep that in the back of your mind as well they have their questions they may not be saying like well i don't know we don't know where he's going to be they're putting on a face of confidence but the fact that they are making goaltender their number one priority as far as an offseason acquisition that should tell you everything you need to know yeah yeah and it's definitely uh sending a message to Corey crawford too, be like hey we're basically preparing for any eventuality with you i mean you, if you're not back it's not like we're going to, you know, live or die without you like we did last season. I mean, that obviously his absence last year really screwed them over. All right, why don't we do this? We've already been at it for 18 minutes. Let's take our first time out. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, some of the rumors that I've heard over the last little bit. We'll talk about Anthony Duclair and Thomas Yurko not being uh, qualified, and we'll get to the new Hall of Fame class 
before we get to your emails. But first, wanted to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. It is softball season. It is becoming other seasons where you're you're going to need a jersey for your team. Triple Threat Sports is the place to go to get it done. It will look absolutely fantastic. Chris will do a great job, and uh, he'll he'll get everything looking right from your logo to your uniforms to everything else you need. So give me a call, 708-478-6090, or send him an email at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have been breaking down the NHL draft, and we've been kind of dancing around the Corey Crawford topic a little bit more with Stan Bowman's non-update update that he gave this week. And by the way, Blackhawks fans, if you're heading out to Blackhawks convention next month, like I'm sure Jay Zawoski and I will be for the uh, opening day of it here in late July, Corey Crawford will be there. He is supposed to be in attendance at Blackhawks convention. So perhaps then we'll get it from the horse's mouth and we'll see what's been going on with him. Obviously probably not going to give a whole lot of details, but at least then he'll be face to face with the media potentially for the first time in a very, very long time. So I'm super interested to see if the Hawks are going to be there with him as he speaks, or if they're just going to be like, here he is. And just like, let him, let him to the wolves. You know I'm I mean? guessing he's going to be what, like what happened with Sharp, Sharp and Sod last year. I'm betting it'll be a podium type thing. Like yeah. just kind of, you know, the big room, all that stuff, not kind of like an individual one-on-one thing. I think it's just going to be basically a group like, hey, have Adam kind of thing. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. What'll well, be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. So we've talked about Corey Crawford. We talked about the Blackhawks and how it seems as though they're going for a little bit more of kind of a depth building project to kind of, you know, get the pipeline going again for defensive prospects. And it's honestly with the additions of Bodan and Boquist and all the other guys that they've been adding recently really seems like this is probably the most well-stocked their defensive group has been in a very long time. So it's interesting to see them take that track with that. But then with the forwards, it has seemed lately that they've just been kind of bringing everybody back. Your Vinny Henestrosas, your John Haydens, like just the guys that they've agreed to contract extensions with over the past uh, few weeks. And even at the end of last season, when they were starting to kind of ink some guys to extensions, it was kind of interesting seeing Stan Bowman go a little bit status quo with forwards until this week when he did not tender Thomas Yurko, Anthony Duclair, and a couple of other players, including Adam Clendenning, I believe, did not tender contracts and will allow them to become unrestricted free agents on July 1st. Jay, 
Let's get into that a little bit. Were you surprised with those decisions, especially with Yurko and Duclair? The one that surprised me was Duclair. I thought that for a, what is he, 22 years old? He's got a 20-goal season under his belt. He's got the speed the Hawks have been looking for. I was a little surprised I didn't give him one more year, one more look. Um, that said, in the looks he had here, what, 23 games or so with the Hawks, he had two goals. Um, speed is great unless you lose the puck every time you skate. And that's a lot of what I saw from Anthony Duclair last year. Um, look, he's scored at this level before. Um, but for whatever reason, it wasn't working here. Now I wonder, and maybe you know this, I haven't been able to get a clear answer on this, but I'm pretty sure it's true. If he becomes an unrestricted free agent, the Hawks can bring him back. They can sign him for, if they don't want to sign him to the, I believe it was around 1.2 would be the qualifying offer. Mm -hmm. They want to just bring him back for less. I believe they can do that. But if I'm Anthony Duclair, I'm like, no, screw you. (laughs) Like, you know, over 400 grand. I know that makes a big difference in the salary cap world, but to a player, it's like, hey, I could use that money and he can probably get it elsewhere in free agency. Someone else will fall in love with that skill set and fall in love with that 20, 20 goal season. Um, and probably give him close to what would have been that qualifying offer anyway. So I think it's possible. I just wouldn't count on Anthony Duclair returning. Thomas Yurko, uh, good riddance. I Look, that was a – he was the offensive version of David Runblad. It was a guy that Bowman had high hopes for. The Red Wings had high fo- hopes for him when he was there too, and they gave up. Um, so I, I think just to give him another roster spot didn't make a lot of sense. Um, the guy acquired in the uh, – Tanner Caro trade. Chapu was also not qualified. Okay, fine. You know that's probably... cl- pretty clearly a ca- uh, cap cutting maneuver by the Blackhawks. Just to get rid of that money. Basically, yeah. is all they were doing. And Adam Clendenning, when you look at the defensive depth in this organization, uh, even though none of it is like elite, I think there's there Clendenning in the organization is probably five or six off the six spot, right? So he. He's not a guy that they're going to rely on, and they probably did him a favor by cutting him free and letting him sign elsewhere. So I really don't have a problem with any of them. Duclair, I would not have been upset if he was back. I wouldn't have minded giving him another look, but I understand it. A million dollars is a million dollars, and if they don't think Duclair uh, is worth it, then don't pay him. That's smart business. That I got no problem with it. I would 100% agree with that on the Duclair front. Um, By the way, they would be able to re-sign him. I know other teams who actually announce the players that they're not re-signing, which I think should be an NHL policy, and I think all contract terms should be publicized and all manner of other things that just annoy me about this time of year. But I I did see one of the teams uh, said that they were not going to tender an offer to a player but then multiple reports came out after that that they were still going to try to work out a contract with him before July 1st, before he became an unrestricted free agent, or they would have to wait until July 1, and then they would be able to sign him. So I do not believe it would preclude the Blackhawks from bringing back any of those guys. They just didn't want to pay them X amount of money to have them back that they didn't think they had earned. So I think that Anthony Duclair, I think ultimately that's the right decision with the team, clearly wanting to make some upgrades either in free agency or via trade, and obviously when they – are able to unload Marion Hose's contract. They'll be able to, you know, spend even more. So I think that they're definitely looking to make some upgrades there. And I think that we saw guys like Vinny Henestrosa and guys like John Hayden. Those guys are in the future plans of the Blackhawks. And I think that guys like Anthony Duclair and Thomas Yurko 
they legitimately felt, and probably rightfully so, that they can make upgrades on the free agent market and not have to pay too much more than they would have paid those guys on on restricted free agent tenders. Absolutely, and I think there is a glut of wings in this organization. Um, you know, you've got, like you just mentioned, a bunch of guys. There's other guys in the minors, too, that are that are more wingers than centers that are on the horizon. Like Alex Fortin is a guy who's had a couple good uh, training camps and uh, prospect camps, and he's another guy with an outside shot of making the team. So there's a lot of wingers that are there. So I think Declare, Yurko, two certain wingers, if they don't see them, like, you, like I said, there's other people in the organization that can do it for cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Should we address some of these rumors? I don't I, I, I don't want to be like the stay tuned while I give you what you want to hear. But, you know, <laughs> I, there's other stuff that we had to get to sooner. So um, well, I think like we, we do have some like NHL wide stories that I'm sure we're going to want to weigh in on. I'm sure you're going to want to mention John Tavares. I'm sure you're going to want to mention uh, the potential of maybe seeing a guy like Eric Carlson get dealt or something like that. So why don't we go ahead and we'll finish up talking some Blackhawks rumors here and then kind of go NHL wide with the Hall of Fame, et cetera, in the next segment. How's that sound, pal? That sounds great to me. All right, so as far as the Blackhawks go, this is not different from what I've been reporting, but I, I, I'm told today the priority remains goalie, defense, center in that order, okay? Uh, a name we've seen a lot recently was carter hutton the blackhawks are interested but it seems at this point very unlikely that that's going to happen he's probably going to get more money elsewhere um keep in mind by the way carter hutton 32 years old he's not a not a young guy with a lot of hockey left uh Mm -hmm. 32 years old so with that in mind one guy that is probably a bit more of a possibility is cam ward a longtime carolina hurricanes goalie um, that's a guy who is on the Hawks radar and could be a possibility. Also, Scott Powers of the Athletic Today reported that the Hawks are interested in Jonathan Bernier, um, another uh, sort of journeyman backup goalie who we thought for a while was going to be a starter and it just really never panned out for him. Um, but those are two of the kind of names that we've been talking about all spring. You know, guys mm-hmm. with, you know, they're probably at this point in their career backups, but they, if in a pinch you know, for a week or two or a month or whatever, they can probably give you a decent job, uh, do a decent job starting for you for a while. Uh, I don't know if they're Stanley Cup winning goalies anymore at this point, but should Corey Crawford come back late or miss some more time for whatever reason, um, then those kind of guys like Cam Ward, like Jonathan Bernier would be those sort of guys. The Hawks are not in on John Tavares. Um, I think that's probably a good idea. We'll get into that a little more later. Um, but I think it's interesting that of the priorities this, this offseason, they have defenses or third. Now, what that tells me is they're going to be very active. There's no way they can go into next season without adding an experienced you know, top four NHL defenseman. It's absolutely not an option. So if they're seeing that as their third priority, that's telling me that they're really that they're really hard after a goalie. They're really hard after a center, and and, and a defenseman as well. So, um, I, I think you're going to see them very active on or around July first. And uh, while trades aren't completely out, out of the picture at this point, um, if you do see deals, it's probably going to be Hosa's contract, which we were told last time is a huge priority of the off season and and potentially uh, a trade of Artemisimov's deal as well. So. Um, just keep that in mind. I know it's not the, the hottest thing in the world, but I would say Carter Hutton, pretty unlikely. 
look to guys like Cam Ward or Jonathan Bernier as a potential um, new goalies for the Blackhawks come July 1st. I've also been told uh, a few different times by a few different uh, folks in the know, so to speak, like kind of guys who have been around the block being reporters for the Blackhawks, et cetera, that the Artemi Panarin thing is just a pipe dream. So don't even think about it, guys. Well, I think Sorry. <laughs> part of that, it's similar on the Tavares thing too. Like I wrote about this when the first 670thescore.com, when the story came out that Panarin might be traded, they can do it. If they wanted to trade for him and they wanted to fit his contract, they can. But same mindset with Tavares. You cannot commit $30 million to three guys with Taves, no. Tavares, or Kane, or Taves, eventually Panarin and Kane. After next year, Panarin's getting 9 to $10 million. You cannot commit that kind of money to three guys because it just dooms you elsewhere. We've seen the effects of the loss of depth on the organization. You do not win with three great players and a bunch of scrubs behind them. That was proven last season. Mm-hmm. So as, yep, as fun is absolutely as, correct. as yeah. sexy as it would be to see John Tavares as a Blackhawk or Artemi Panarin back, it just is not the best thing to do for the organization. You think James Van Riemsdyk could potentially be on the radar? I do. I absolutely do. I don't know. Uh, Even the way they treated his brother? <laughs> yeah. Well, Q didn't. Q loved him. That's true. He so did. <laughs> that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, Well, I think the Hawks like TVR better than fans did. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, I, oh, I think I think JVR is a perfect fit. I don't know what kind of money he's going to get, but what is your what would be the cap you would put on Van Riemsdyk if you were Stan Bowman? Like, how much are you willing to pay him? Probably Brandon Sod money, like six mil a season would be my tops. That's if he pro- wants yeah, that's over, fair. if he wants over that, I just don't see how I could make that work and address the other pretty glaring needs that this organization has. Like, I think that. They are going to want to be in on the market on some of these defensemen. I think they're going to look to add probably a third or fourth line consistent center. Somebody like Jay Beagle, if it's not Jay Beagle himself, I could see them trying to make that addition and try to get somebody to play on the penalty kill and win some faceoffs that's not named Jonathan Taves. I think that JBR would be great to have. I think he's a luxury that they may not be able to afford, just depending on how much he wants in free agency. Uh, speaking of the centers, uh, in, in Scott Powers' piece from today, he mentions the names uh, as far as you're looking at effective face-off centers that could play on your bottom six. Antoine Vermette, Jay Beagle, who you just mentioned, Derek Ryan, Paul Stasny, Tyler Bozak. Did he Bozak. mention Riley Nash? I don't see Riley Nash on here, no. Tyler Bozak, Mark Letestu, Volteri Filpa, and Brad Richardson. Now he's looking at top face-off guys. Right, right, right. We know Vermette's not coming back. He was not happy here. Stasny and Bozak are too expensive. Yeah, um, Stasny's going to get, like, probably $7 million, and that's yeah. just there's no way you do that. Good luck with that, by the way. Um, so, yeah, Jay Beagle, um, Derek Ryan, uh, Mark Letestu, uh, players like that. I think Val- Valtteri Filppula is an interesting name. That's a guy with some offensive upside. Towards the tail end, of, he's at the end of his career for sure. Had mm. some really good years in Detroit, good years in Tampa. Uh, it's a guy I've always kind of liked. Uh, and he's a guy that if you have one of your top two centers go down, you can put him in a top six and he's not going to be lost. I don't know if you can say the same thing about Jay Beagle uh, or Latestu or any of those guys. I think if yeah, I had to prioritize. I, I wouldn't try. Yeah, I, it's the same thing with like Tyler Bozak. I don't know if I 
trust him to take on a consistent top six role. Doesn't seem like he's that kind of player. And I feel like he's probably going to end up getting slightly overpaid on the market. Like, I feel like a Latestu would probably be a better option in this scenario. I could see them maybe adding somebody like him and then trying to go for like a go for broke kind of second, third line winger, like a Thomas Vanek style guy. Mm. I could see them making those moves to kind of shore up the forward group and then really going all out on defense to try to get a solid free agent in here. Let me ask you this. If this is the, let's, 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 I'll ask you this question. If this is the hall, if this is your free agency hall, let's say it's Cam Ward, it's JVR, and it's uh, Calvin DeHaan. Ooh, that's a, See, I think that's a pretty solid uh, mix there. And I definitely would prefer them to go over after a guy like Calvin DeHaan as opposed to a guy like Ian Cole, who I think is just everybody's like so enamored with his grit and sandpaper and his leadership and da da da. I, I definitely do not want them to go down that route. I said that back in February and I'll say it again now. I would be totally fine if they went out and added somebody like Calvin DeHaan got Cam Ward to back up Corey Crawford, and then we're able to add a strong top six winger like JVR. I think that would be a really solid offseason for the Blackhawks. And while that would definitely still leave some question marks, especially up the middle at center, I think that that would go a long way towards solving some of the issues that this team had last season. Well, let's, let's sort of let's, let's play GM here. So you figure Cam Ward's probably around $3 million. Right, if we're gonna be, I, I would, I would guess you could get somebody like him or maybe Yaroslav Halak for around that kind of money. I think that that three to three and a half million dollar range is fair. I think if they're starting to look for like four, four and a half, I think the market kind of dries up for them, especially when you're not looking at them to be starters. You're not looking at them to be like a 50, 55 game guy. I think that four million is definitely pushing it in this market. I think that three to three and a half is definitely fair for goaltenders of that ilk all right then let's say let's just be generous with jvr and say seven I, there's no way he gets seven but just yeah, for, for our math does. purposes let's say seven calvin dehan four and a half five i i was I, yeah i was thinking probably in that five range with him i think that obviously he's gonna want he's not gonna get obviously john carlson money nor should anybody but i think that I think five would be fair for him, especially with his kind of limited offensive upside. I think that the Blackhawks Blackhawks could probably get him for about four and a half. That's what I'll set the target at. All right. So if we're, yeah. So you're looking at um, six, seven, eight, nine, 12, like 13 and a half million. Uh, if you yep. move Hosa and Anisimov, that's 9.5 million right there. Um, mm-hmm. That's plenty of space left to address that bottom six center. Um, and I think if you do that, so you're looking at like Ward or Bernier or, you know, Halak, one of those guys, JVR, a defenseman like Calvin DeHaan, and then a bottom six center, that's an outstanding offseason, and I think it's doable. And I think if you're looking at, depending on who that bottom six center is, you're looking at a playoff team again almost certainly, in my opinion. I, I, mean, I, I would say that they would have the depth at that point that you could – realistically call them a playoff team yes especially if you're expecting a bounce back from sod you're hoping for a bounce back from taves yeah uh, you think kane will probably have a better year with the growth of schmaltz and to yep. 
Yep. The, and the continuing maturity of those two guys. And then same thing with Vinny Henestros. I think they're going to look for him to take another step forward this year with the new contract under his belt. And if you add a defenseman like Calvin DeHaan, who is, you know, solid, a legit top four defenseman, that's going to make everyone better too. So I think that really, that, that makes the team a lot better. And I know it's not John Tavares. It's not Artemi Panarin. But I'd rather have three or four solid, proven, legitimate, you know, top nine or, you know, a, a number four defenseman and two top nine forwards for the money it's going to take you to get John Tavares. I just think it, yeah. it makes the team better. It makes the team deeper. And it also doesn't hamstring you down the road when eventually you do have to sign Alex Debrinkit and Nick Schmaltz to new contracts. Yep, and and at that point you're gonna start like getting into the you know parts of the contracts of guys like Corey Crawford where he'll be coming off the books in a couple of years. So hopefully by the time some of those contracts start to come up, obviously Brent Seabrook's contract is never going to expire, and the Blackhawks will <laughs> forever be underneath that. It will be the Bobby Bonilla of contracts. But I think that they're eventually obviously gonna have to sign those guys. But I think just adding that kind of value in those areas of need, I think would be a very smart allocation of resources that Stan Bowman's going to get both from being able to move Marion Hose's contract and from the additional salary cap space that the team's going to apparently get this year from the NHL. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind, James and I will be with you guys. Uh, if anything breaks between now and July 1st, uh, we'll do our best to get you a podcast. I'm going to start bringing my little mixer with me to work. So I'm ready to go if, if, uh, if need be. And I can knock out a podcast at any moment. Um, but July 1st, I think it's going to be a really busy day. And I think by the time things are said and done, I think Hawks fans are going to be pretty happy. I think they're going to do a pretty good job. Just kind of based on, you know, it just, we, they, they've said it. They've pretty much gone out and said, we're going to be active. We're going to improve the team. We know we have to. And like you said, to start the podcast, Stan knows his job's on the line. And he needs to make this team better now. And this is kind of funny, like a stark reality of how bad this roster is, is for the first time in forever, I picked up NHL 18 or what is it? Yeah, 18 NHL 18 and play with the Hawks. It's like, good Lord, this team sucks. Like, it's they're not very good. There's just a lot of bleh. and that's even with like Declare and Yurko. It's just, there's just not a lot of proven talent aside from that, you know, Saad, Taves, Kane and Schmaltz and Debrinkit. It's it's just not. Ugh. It's a lot it's, of. It's back in the Mark Bell and Rodim Verbata days, man. Yeah, it's it's not good. All right, well, why don't we take uh, our last time out, and then we'll come back talk about the Hall of Fame and answer some emails. That sound good? Yep. All right. Before the break, we got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's, six zero four Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since nineteen thirty three. We love Joe and his Adralovich family. Everyone out there at Marishka's make sure you try out the world famous poor boy it's one of the best food items you can have in this state and I will say that I take that to my deathbed there's not a lot of things better in Illinois than the Marishka's poor boy it is outstanding you will not regret it you will love it but if you're not into that for whatever reason if you have broken taste buds <laughs> there's other options for you there the steaks the chops the seafood the burgers the sides everything there is fantastic They've got a fully stocked craft beer menu, uh, bank facilities for up to 110 people. So whatever your need is, Marishka's will meet it. So check them out, 604 Theodore Street. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So visit them at marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas 
We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the final segment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've talked NHL draft. We've talked NHL free agency. Now it is time to talk about the sport of hockey as a whole. And what better way to do that than to talk about this year's Hall of Fame class. Jake, Jake, you the trumpets. Oh, we don't have the trumpet sound effect. Yeah, okay. Can't afford those. <laughs> Dang it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, good hall, pretty solid Hall of Fame class this year. I'll run it past everybody so everybody knows. Uh, the NHL players of recent note inducted Martin Brodeur, no brainer. Uncle uh, Daddy. Marty's <laughs> Uncle Daddy, exactly. <laughs> By the way, to clarify, Uncle Daddy, if you don't know, Martin Brodeur had an affair with his wife's brother's wife and yes. then eventually married her. So that's where Uncle Dad comes in. Okay, um, so that's the story. That's true. That's not like a oh, that's a rumor. Nope, that's absolutely true. Nope, Everybody absolutely knows it. Absolutely happened. So Uncle Dad Martin Brodeur is in the Hall of Fame. Marty St. Louis is in the Hall of Fame. I think deserved for sure. Um, Willie O'Ree, nineteen fifty eight, broke the NHL uh, color. What's the word? Color barrier. Am I saying that yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe he was not in before this. But it's completely unacceptable that he wasn't in until now. It was a idiotic oversight to be perfectly frank well i'm glad he's in now so that's great um jana hetford uh gold medalist with team canada uh won gold in 02 06 2010 2014 seven world champions four Jeez. nations cups a very accomplished canadian female skater jana hetford and alexander yekashev uh russian hockey player don't know a ton about him a little bit before my time but just looking at some of the history of his game, an absolute stud uh, for USSR, the Red Army team. And, of course, your favorite and mine, current NHL commissioner Gary Bettman is entering the Hall of Fame. I don't get how that works. Like, why should he be, he be allowed to join the Hall of Fame when he's still in his office? I, look, I don't know. We know he was going to be there anyway because aren't all commissioners eventually in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, uh. I, I think that in some – I'm trying to think of how many baseball commissioners are actually in the Hall of Fame. I think, like, three or four. It's not as but many how many as have you been? There's not, like, there's not been a ton of them either, though. There's been, like, ten. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very hockey to put Bettman in. It doesn't shock me at all. No, it doesn't shock me. I just wonder why they're doing it now. Well, let's never it speak of it again. Is he is he going back to his home planet? Like, is this something we don't know about? Oh, wouldn't that be amazing if he announced his retirement at the uh, his Hall of Fame induction? Hey, everybody, boo me, boo me. Oh, by the way, I'm retiring. Peace, bitches. Yeah, ah, screw that guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, happy for Brodeur, happy for uh, San Luis and everybody else. Obviously, here's my question, and I know there's a lot of Hawks fans that are mad that Steve Larmer's not in. Uh, I agree with that, um, but. Even closer to now, why the hell is Jeremy Roenick not in the Hall of Fame? I know that he's an ass, and I know that people are sick of his game and his shtick and all that stuff, and he's kind of a jag and all that stuff. But look, on the ice, hockey-wise, which is what all this stuff is supposedly based off of, that dude's a surefire Hall of Famer, right? Am I missing something? Am I? I mean, he only had, he only scored over 500 goals. How many 500 goal guys are not in the Hall of Fame? I, it's bizarre. I don't get it. Like to me, he is such a. I mean, he was one of the faces of the game when he played in the early 90s. He was the coolest guy in the league. 
I, I well, just, that's not saying much. It's hockey. But but still, Jeremy Roenick was a rock star when he played hockey in this town and nationwide. People love to watch Jeremy Roenick play. Dude, Absolutely. that's the reason that I am a hockey fan, period. And I know whatever. I'm not a Hall of Fame voter. It doesn't matter. But to me, it is a no-brainer that Jeremy Roenick's a Hall of Famer. If I'm wrong, hit me up, madhousepod at gmail.com. I just, I know I'm a Hawks fan. I know I love Jeremy Roenick, the player, and all that stuff. But look at the numbers. Look, I know he never won a cup, but, like, just look at what he's done over his career. A really good player for a really long time. And if I was to tell you, like, okay, you just drafted either Jeremy Roenick or Martin St. Louis, who would you pick? Right, if you had, if you could have someone's career from the beginning right now, who would you pick? I don't. Yeah. I, I, I think that if you put that poll out there to a non, sorry to interrupt you, to a non Chicago or Tampa audience, those results would be close to fifty fifty. I would agree. I don't know. I think it's. I don't know. I I think it's a, a travesty. He's not. Maybe he's being punished for his outspokenness or for whatever perceptions the old guard has about him so he can't be in too soon but if he's not a hall of famer within the next five years there's a there's a huge problem i would 100 percent agree with that and i think that the whole notion of punishing guys who are jerks is really stupid anyway and writers need to kind of cut the crap like i get that they're the gatekeepers but come on yeah, like, i hate that you have to have the best players in your sport in the hall of fame otherwise it's meaningless right are right, you ready to do some emails I was born ready to do emails. Let's do it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for menu items, for locations, all that good stuff. Uh, we talk about Marishkas, we talk about Chucks, we talk about how much we love them. We say those things because we mean it. We don't just bring in any sponsor that wants to advertise on this podcast. We go to places we trust, we go to places we love, and we tell you about them. Chucks is one of those places. I had my daughter's baby shower. Was it Chucks? We've had several family parties there before. Their banquets are outstanding. But look, you like barbecue, you like Cajun, you like Mexican, or you just want a burger and wings. Chuck's has you covered. The barbecue nachos, outstanding. Breakfast. Chuck's Machicado is like a barbecue breakfast taco with eggs and meat. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, the huevos rancheros, everything there is tremendous. My favorite meal, maybe on earth, is Chuck's Cochinita Pabil. That's the Saturday special. That is the best thing on their menu, in my opinion. They've also got great jambalaya, but really, Everything in Chuck's is great, so check them out, chuckscafe.com, Burbank, Darien. You will not regret it. And if you like beer, they've got a ton of beer. So go to Chuck's, tell them the Madhouse Podcast sent you, and you will be a happy person. Speaking of that, the last couple podcasts, I mentioned how we were using the money from our GoFundMe to raise money for my friend Andy Garcia, whose wife lost her battle to cancer a couple months ago leaving behind uh, three children, two of which are twins that are less than a year old. Um, absolutely brutal. Everyone that donates $5 will get an entry into our preseason broadcast raffle. We've already raised $100, and I saw Andy Garcia today was able to tell him what we're doing. I, I hadn't told him yet. Told him what we were doing and put the first $100 
into his bank account so he can start paying for daycare for his children. So hit us up at uh, GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod. Patreon.com slash MadhousePod is another way to give to the podcast. So we are from, uh, what, probably a month ago, two months ago, until the season begins, every penny raised is going to support Andy Garcia and his family. Good friend of mine from the score now works for Westwood One. You may hear him on Northern Illinois broadcast now and again. Andy's one of the finest people I've ever worked with, and uh, no one should have to go through what his family is going through. So if you can give anything, five bucks gets you in. We'll have plenty of great stuff to give away, including Hawks jerseys, autographs, all those great things. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's get to the emails. First email from our guy Mark Van Warmer. Mark, thanks for your email as always. He says, "What I- he asks, rather, what is the process for players drafted in the NHL? In football, you are a first uh, round pick. You're probably playing year one. How does that differ in the NHL? Now, uh, Rasmus Dahlin is going to play next year from day one. That is sort of like a generational defensive talent. In hockey, though, typically, even sometimes the first overall pick will spend some time either in college or in junior. It kind of varies depending on the player. Um, but it's pretty rare for a guy to come out right away and help the team right away. Even Jonathan Taves, who was the second overall pick, uh, played a year in college before joining the Blackhawks. He probably could have played and been pretty good right out of the draft, but he wanted one more year to sort of hone his game, and he came out, and if you recall, scored on his first shot in the NHL. Jonathan Taves was the third overall pick, by the oh, way, not right. the third second. Pick. I'm sorry. Who are the who are the top two picks in that draft? Uh, it was um, oh crap. Um, why am I blanking? Oh, Eric was Johnson. Eric Johnson. And, and who was number two? Was it not Kyle Turris? Nope, that was the year uh, Patrick Kane got drafted, I believe. Who Kyle was Turris it? was number two. Who was it? Jordan Stahl. Oh right. Got, got picked second overall by the Penguins. The Penguins could have had Evgeny Malkin. Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves in back to back to back drafts. Yikes. Dude. Is that good? <laughs> Woof. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, just remember what happened in 2004 when the Capitals got Ovechkin and the uh, Penguins got Malkin. Guess who the Blackhawks got with the third pick? Uh, Cam Barker. That is correct. The sadness. thanks a lot mark this is all your fault you brought this up thanks a lot jerk (laughs) all right next email from ryan sheehan from sitka alaska what home of coach sitka my friends (laughs) oh yeah he said by the way sitka there's a salmon uh seller at our at the homewood farmer's market called sitka salmon i wonder if it's from alaska i'll have to ask him anyway uh ryan says very tired of these small players getting drafted the Hawks always get pushed around and it's taken the buzz out of the UC at times. Why can't Bowman see that large, speedy power forwards can beat small defensemen, especially in the playoffs? DeHaan and Van Riemsdyk would be nice in free agency. I'm really beginning to lose faith in Bowman. Better GM Dale Talon or Bowman. Okay. Um, large, speedy power forwards aren't really a thing. Like that's you're you're almost always exchanging one for the other. Um, James Van Riemsdyk is a nice player, but he's not fast, right? He's got average speed for a forward. He's not slow, but he's not a speedster. Um, like Brian Bickle in his heyday, Dustin Buffo when he was playing forward, these power forward types are not typically fast. So you're, you're, it's one or the other. 
And the Hawks have built from, you know, day one, they have decided to build on speed rather than size, and it's won them three Stanley Cups. So I think to expect Stan Bowman to change his philosophy this late into the tenure is kind of, it's not realistic. And aside from Brady Kachuk, there weren't a lot of real power forward types in this draft anyway. Yeah, there really weren't. And it's, I mean, that's just the way the NHL is going nowadays anyways towards a smaller game like that. Yeah, you're seeing it. The speed is the thing. And you could point to Alex Ovechkin. That's a once in a generation kind of a guy. Evgeny Malkin is another guy like that who is fast and big and powerful. But those guys are like, it's rare that guys like that come around. That's what makes them so special. Um, Email from EJ. He says, first off, you guys are really fun. I always enjoy your banter when we're all upset about the quality of play this year. Second, do you think the draft means Bowman has the green light on a rebuild in a new f- in the near future if the poop hits the fan? I like it, but they won't be up for a while. Second, what does free agency in general look like for summer, and what does it look like for the Blackhawks? Thanks to you. We, we answered sort of the uh, free agency stuff already. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not a rebuild. I think it's a, it's a reload. Is that kind of a better way? Or rebuilding on the fly is kind of a better way I know way those are it. oftentimes euphemisms for rebuild, but I think in this instance, we literally mean it. Like, this team is just trying to make sure that the pipeline is stocked up so that they don't have to keep going to the free agent well, so to speak. They want to be able to kind of mine their own talent and get their own guys onto the ice, and we've seen that repeatedly time and again that the guys that you develop oftentimes are the ones who give you the staying power and enable you to be a constant Stanley Cup contender. Yep, agree with you. I, I think the way they're doing it now makes a lot of sense. And while during the draft I was saying, like, oh, get someone who can help now, when I saw the final picture of what they were doing, you see that three, four years down the road, there's going to be some really, really good NHL players on this team and, and really good prospects, so they, they theoretically can be good for a long time. And to yep. me, that's better than a quick go for it you know, and hope for the best. All right, next email from Ken Bachelman, one of our longtime listeners, says, with the Hockey Hall of Fame coming out with the inductees, who should be in that isn't? For me, two automatically come to mind, and that's Steve Larmer and Doug Wilson. Thank you for another year of above-average podcasting. Oh, thanks, Ken. That's really thoughtful. Uh, uh, above-average. Yeah, I already mentioned um, Jonathan or Jonathan Dave. I already mentioned uh, Jeremy Roenick is a guy I think should be in. I agree with you on Larmer. I agree with you on Wilson. James, who do you got? I mean, honestly, like my big like drum that I've been banging for years now is to get Willie O'Ree in. So the fact that he is finally in, honestly, I'm kind of at a loss other than saying that I agree with you on Jeremy Roenick. I definitely don't understand why a guy who scored over 500 NHL goals isn't in. And if it's a personality thing, then the voters just need to get over it. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's obvious. All right. uh, Next one from Joe Mel's. He says, will the Blackhawks extend Nick Schmaltz this summer before he hits restricted free agency next year? How much should he get per season? Who are some of the comparables that signed a new contract early after their ELC? Um, I would not count on Schmaltz giving the Hawks any sort of deal, any sort of uh, break, but I do think a bridge deal situation is probably realistic. Uh, You're probably looking somewhere between, what would you say, like 1.5 and and maybe close to 3 million. For I, say, I don't think he's going to get Hennestrosa money. I bet he'd get more than that. I would think that 
it would be in the two and a half to three and a half million dollar a year ballpark. Yeah. I mean, hell, Marcus Kruger got three million freaking dollars. You think that Nick Schmaltz isn't worth that? Uh, that was, nah, I mean, you're right, but that wasn't a bridge deal for Kruger. Well, like, that th- was this a would be thank for, you for being yeah. a good sport kind of deal, and look where it got him. But we're looking at, like, so what Schmaltz would be doing is signing, like, you know, three million for two years and then betting on himself and being an unrestricted free agent two years from after this one and yeah. saying, look, I'm a almost a point-per-game guy, which is not out of the out of the realm of possibility for Schmaltz. Uh, and then he could really bank – you know, a, I, a I think contract. if I'm him, I'm saying that I my starting point is three million a season, and if you don't want to sign me to that, then we'll go year by year. And I think that that would totally be a reasonable thing for him to do as a player and as somebody who always advocates for guys maxing out on their value when they can. Our last email of the show comes from Ke- Kevin Peak. Uh, we already answered his questions about Tavares and free agency, so he says, James. Since we are soccer-loving soccer people, I know you're keeping up with the World Cup. I know you are rooting for France, but besides them, who you guys got? I personally think Belgium is a good choice. Who are you going with in a World Cup here, James? Uh, Belgium is an excellent choice. Um, I have very much liked what I've seen from Brazil so far. I think they're, they seem like they're a really well-rounded squad. I'm interested to see what happens to them if they get another test like they did against Switzerland. I think the thing that we all need to keep in mind about this year's tournament, though, is it definitely seems like there's a lot of parity in this field. Like Argentina just about didn't get through to the round of 16. They had to get in by the skin of their teeth. Germany was literally seconds away from getting eliminated the other day. I mean, this has been such a bizarre tournament that, it totally would make sense for a team like Belgium or even a team that has like the one superstar that's really good and can kind of carry the day like Portugal to go out there and to win this thing. I think that it's just about as wide open as any other tournament that I can really remember. And while I'm rooting for France, I frankly would not be surprised to see another team like a Belgium or somebody like that win this thing. You know who, uh, I, I started rooting for uh, the two teams I said coming into the tournament were England and Iceland. I like the whole Iceland thing. They're not. They're probably not going to advance. Um, uh, I'll, I'll break it to you. They did not advance yeah. today. They're um, out. The team that has stolen my heart uh, throughout this tournament has been Senegal. And I'm a big fan of Sadio Mane from uh, Liverpool. I love watching him play. Uh, and he's the best player on Senegal. But just their fans... The, the coach, just the whole thing. I really love what Senegal's done in tournament. They're probably not going to win it, obviously, but I've had a really good time watching them. And, and I've always wanted to, like, find a team that I like without the influence of someone else telling me, like, that's who I should like. And I think Senegal might be that team for me. I know they'll probably never win it, but I like to watch those underdog teams just, like, play their hearts out for 90 minutes and just leave it all on the field. And, uh, you know, and, and I, the games I've seen from Senegal, they've done that. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching them play this year. But I always love like, watching Colombia and uh, Portugal, obviously. Ronaldo's great, but I like the whole team. Argentina is always a lot of fun. Brazil, of course. Um, but I like to have kind of that outside team that I know is not going to win but like to root for. And I think this year that's Senegal for me. I liked what I've seen from Mexico so far. And I've also enjoyed watching Croatia games too. They went three and zero in group play and they looked really, really solid. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the next round. And when that round happens, 
that France-Argentina game has got me really frightened. Saturday is going to be probably a rough day for me. <laughs> All right, I'll be sure to leave you alone. <laughs> All right, James, thanks for your time tonight, man. Thanks for being flexible as we had uh, the tornado blowing through town. And thank you all for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. We'll be with you shortly. We're a few days away from the beginning of NHL free agency. It's going to be a busy time of year, especially for the Blackhawks. If things go as expected, James and or I will be with you uh, at every turn. So keep it with us at the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be there for you. But until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train and count the best of shape, but... Look, well, you I'm, did one time. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.